0: Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Coffee and Cap Rates. My name is Shimon Shkuri, and today I have with me my esteemed partner, Victor Sozio, both of us from Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, Vic. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me, Shemali.
0: Vic, you and I are in the trenches every single day, even during this time. Talk to people, talk to owners, to landlords that deal with many, many issues as things unfold with regards to COVID-19. What do we see? What What can you tell us about, for example, collections today? What do we hear about it?
1: Sure. So, you know, it's an evolving situation, but as you know, a lot of the conversations this week have revolved around what some of the collections have been in April so far. And from the data and what we're hearing anecdotally, it varies by product type. You know, we've seen office rents come in at about 50% or above so far in April. No surprise that retail has been getting crushed and those numbers are coming in around 20 to 30%. Market rate rentals are performing relatively well, you know, 90% or more depending on the area. And you have rent stabilized, which is much more of a nuanced category where I would say that ranges between 50 to 80% and will probably trend up a little bit towards the end of April. And the reason I mentioned that it's nuanced cuz you have to keep in mind it's because There are 421A buildings that have rent-stabilized units or what are categorized as rent-stabilized units that are really market-rate rentals or perform like market-rate rentals, and then you have other rent-stabilized apartments in the outer boroughs where they're below market rents, but in many of those cases, their collections have been 50 to 60% so far in April. So everybody's keep a close eye on it. Expectations are that May might actually be worse, especially for- some of these rent-stabilized units, or just you know, residential units in general, with these calls or widely publicized calls for potential uh, rent strikes in May. Vic, that's
0: great insight. And yes, I I wanted to ask you about May, but you jumped in and told us about May, and I think that you're absolutely right. This is what we're hearing on April, and unfortunately, May's collections are probably going to be less attractive for landlords. Well, let's talk about You know, capital. You and I have been on several calls this week, and you did mention the capital that we're seeing in the market to several of our clients. I thought you made a great summary that our audience here can hear about. So, who's still buying? What kind of capital is still out there? And what can we tell our audience about the active players of today's market?
1: So, while a lot of groups are focused on ensuring the stability of their operations and really trying to project cash flows going forward there are still a few active buckets of capital that are pursuing deals right now and they tend to mostly fall within one of the three following categories one is 1031 driven capital which still is motivated to do something by virtue of that 1031 they they received some decent news recently with an extension of the 1031 deadline up until July 15th but those are still active Buyers looking to secure deals, uh, albeit some are trying to get a little bit of better pricing than they were before. Then you have another bucket, which you know we consider rescue capital, and that's primarily circling or trying to source distressed opportunities in some form of fashion. And in a lot of cases, there's flexibility on where those groups can play on the capital stack, but there seems to be a lot of capital out there that is looking for distressed opportunities. And we put them within that category of of rescue capital. And then the third is affordable housing capital. And these are deals that still have traction, are still making progress. And if you think about it, it does make sense because these are predicated on building a capital stack, a certain capital stack where, you know, a lot of cases there's subsidy involved. And when completed, they tend to pencil to a pretty good cash-on-cash return. So these deals are still ongoing and, and there's still groups out there looking for it and there's still motivation for to secure those type of transactions.
0: Yes, thank you for that. I think that's a perfect summary of what we're seeing in the market in terms of active players. And, you know, we're in uncertain times, so it's really hard to predict to the extent that you can. Where do you think we're going to be 90 to 120 days from now, in terms of moving forward, in terms of transactions, in terms of the way investors are looking at at assets, do you think we're going to be more or less in the same situation or are we going to be better off, worse off? Where do you see us in, in, in let's say, the next three, four months?
1: I would guess at this point, and, and I think that's the best anybody can do is is guess about what the next three to six months are going to look like. But I do think there will be more activity and more transactions occurring probably in three months plus from now. It's reasonable to assume that a lot of these underwriting assumptions are going to change. And I think that's what a lot of groups are trying to get a handle on right now. Uh, You know, you and I were on a call earlier this week where I thought a very interesting point was brought up about you know where are market rents going to be in the next 6 to 12 months and going forward and you know trying to put that within the context of what's happening now versus the data from what occurred back in 2008 to 2010 and you know as we discussed i think it's reasonable to think that there might be a little bit more conservative underwriting even on the market rents you know i don't know if it's going to be 10 to 20% or 5 to 15% but that could be more temporary than it was back in 2008 and 2010 but you know certainly i think people are going to slot in different assumptions there i think when it comes to rent stabilized rent growth you know i would imagine that a lot of cash flow models are going to be a lot more conservative on what the next 1 to 3 years are going to um Assuming growth, but perhaps after two or three years, you could still plug in 2% going forward from there. But you know, I would imagine that all of this uncertainty and everything that's going on and you know ambiguity on, on how retail is going to look like, office is going to look like, is probably going to result in higher cap rates and groups pursuing higher cash-on-cash cash returns going in. But it's going to be really interesting to see how it, it plays out with the different product types, right? Because I would imagine that retail, retail has been undergoing a shift for years now. But you know, what's it going to look like when this is all said and done? You know, restaurants are going to have to operate in a totally different way. So you know, those are some of the tenants that were still signing leases in the past few years. I don't know what that's going to look like going forward. Same thing right. can be said about office. What's going to happen with office? You know, you and I talk about it often. Do you know, some companies are probably going to realize they don't need as much overhead. They don't need as much space. So what is office going to look like going forward? So it's really going to be, I think, more than just three to six months of figuring out the new normal. I think it'll probably take even longer than that.
0: That's a great answer, and uh, all of it was great insight, and I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's a three to six months until we understand how to revalue real estate. I do think, like you, that in three to six months, we will have an opportunity to know a little bit more. Vic, I wanted to thank you for joining me today. It was fun uh, hanging out with you here, and I look forward to, uh, to doing this again.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.